We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Physically, has a mother or father. Here's what I'm saying. Everyone is created by God. Everyone's created by God. Raise your hand if God created you. Absolutely. I'm telling you, even if you didn't raise your hand, he's still creating you. Everyone is created by God. Next, everyone is loved by God. That's important to learn. Everyone's created by him, and everyone is loved by him. Here's the third one. Everyone is invited into God's family. And I mean that. I believe that. Every person is invited into God's family. So he created everyone. He loved everyone. He invited everyone into his family. Yet, not everyone has chosen to come into his family. Not everyone has chosen to call him father. Scripture calls God's family an adoption. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. It's called the spirit of adoption, whereby we call out to God and we call him daddy. We call him Abba. Scripture calls God's family an adoption. I'm going to tell you it is possible to reject God as your adopted father. It is possible for someone to try to adopt you and for you to reject them. And that is the case. If God is not your father and if you do not have a spiritual family, that is very much the case. God has created you, God has loved you, and God has invited you, but you have not yet come part of his family. So are you a part of the family of God? Do you know the answer to that question? Oh, you need to know the answer to that question today. Before we're done today, I want the answer to that question to be yes. I want it to be yes for every person in here. But first we have to know What is the family of God? What is the family of God? Is it being a Republican or a Democrat? Is that it? Thank you. Is it being upper class, middle class, or lower class? It's hitting one of those things? No. Is it being American, Canadian, Mexican, French? You know? Is it having white skin, black skin, brown, some other shade of color of skin? Is that what it means to be part of God's family? None of those things, none of them. I'm glad y'all all said no. First Timothy chapter 3.15 says this. That family is the church. Wait, that family is the what? The church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. I want to tell you today that the church is God's family. You might not know what church is all about. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't like church. I don't like church. One of my favorite ministry stories of all time, I was doing a small group ministry out in Irving, Texas, in Anda Up Church. I overheard uh, a lady who was struggling with her faith. She considered herself an atheist, agnostic, yet she was at our small group meeting, and I loved it. And I remember she looked over at her husband, who was a believer, and she said, is this church, it's like she'd been coming for several weeks. It finally dawned on her, wait a second, did they just trick me into coming to church? She's like, is this church? And I, I just like, I held my breath a little bit. Oh, it's going to be good. Is this church? And she said, because I don't like church. 
but I like this. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to hear right there. She didn't understand what church was. She thought it was a thing. It was a box with the stained glass and the pipe organ, the worship team, the laser lights and all the things, right? The marquee out front that says, uh, if you pray, if you go seven days without week, it, it, seven days without prayer makes one week. Is that it? That is corny little Bible saying. She thought that's what that church was, the judgmental church lady that never smiles. So that's what she thought it was. No, that's not what it is. It's being a part of God's family. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. Anybody glad to be a part of the church of the living God? I'm going to tell you, it gives me great honor to tell you the church is not a political movement. It's not an organization, an institute. It is definitely not a business. It is not a society. It is not a country club for the upper crust. The church is the family of God. God's purpose for your life is not just that you know him and love him but to also belong to his family. If God has his way in your life, you're going to know him, you're going to love him, but you're also going to belong in his family. Anybody belong to a surprising family? Anybody ever just like take you in? It's wonderful. Anybody go to another person's Thanksgiving? They like brought you in and they were like, oh, honey, you just sit right there. I'm going to go fix you a plate. They go fix you a plate. Anybody ever have that? It is so good to be brought into a family. This is such a wonderful family. It's the family of God. I've heard people say, I belong to such and such church. Somebody nod to me if you've ever heard that. Ever, yeah. I belong to such and such. Let me correct this. Oh, you do not belong to a church. You ever had that in your vocabulary? I belong to, get that out of your head. You don't belong to a church. Who is it that you belong to? You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to God. All right. You don't belong to a denomination. You don't. You don't. Right? You belong to God. You are part of his church, his family, but you belong to him. One Christian says, I belong to First Baptist. Every church, every city's got a First Baptist. And, and across the street, they got who? They got the people saying, I belong to First Methodist. And they're right there. I almost swear that they, that, that long time ago, they went, well, they're building there. By golly, we're going to build right across the street. Shake our fists at each other. Right? One Christian says, I belong to Seventh-day Adventists. One, one other one says, I belong to Church of Christ. They've got all these lists of, of churches and you know, who, what church do you belong to? And none of them realize, perhaps, they belong to God. Here's what's a problem. If you say, I belong to this, you say, I belong to this, and then you say, I belong to this, you might forget that you all belong to him. You might forget that the other person is as part of the same family. And I think that Christians should treat each other better than we are. I really do. I think we ought to treat people like we are the family of God because we are the family of God. Here, here, as the pastor, can I tell you something? Please do not say, I belong to Redemption Church. Do me that favor. Do not say, I belong to Redemption Church. 
Redemption Church did not die on the cross for you. Redemption Church did not pour out sinless blood for your forgiveness. Redemption Church did not save you, did not fill you with the Holy Spirit. Only God could do that. You do not belong to Redemption Church. You belong to God. There's a wonderful word that came in your Bible. It is the word Christian. And it meant little Christ. It meant Christ followers. It meant these people are just like Jesus. They are so, they're such a family resemblance that they, they look just like Jesus Christ. So in, the, in the, uh, the city of Antioch, they called them first Christians. I, 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 I would love to just wipe the slate clean of all their denominational thinking. I would just like to be a Christian. That's what I would like to be. Whenever, when anyone ever asks you what denomination you are, you tread very carefully on that. I would just suggest you say something like this. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Everyone say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I want to be just like Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be just like him. He's living on the inside. First Timothy 3.15. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. Notice this. The church is the support and the foundation of the truth. In other words, the church is not the truth. Let's, let's stay on this for a moment. The church is not the truth. Right? Well, which church is the true church? You know, and they'll, 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 anybody who asks that also has an argument to bring up right behind it. And here's a whole list of scriptures. It's not very praiseworthy usually. And it, it usually just tears people down. I've been there. I've been that person before. I, I know what I'm talking about. The church is not the truth, though. The truth is not a thing. The truth is a person, right? Anybody know the scripture I'm talking about? The truth is a person. Jesus himself is the truth because he said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You really want to know what truth is? It looks just like Jesus. All of your wrestling churches and fighting against each other and the, the things you say about each other, let all that go. What, what is true is Jesus, and we should all conform to look a lot like him. More and more like him. How, what's the truth about love? Look at Jesus. What's the truth about being holy and, and clean as a person? Look at Jesus. What's the truth about forgiveness? Look at Jesus. What's the truth about the Holy Spirit? Look at Jesus. Look, look at him in every situation. The church is not the truth. The church is merely the foundation and the support of the truth. What happens to a building without support and a foundation? It falls. It collapses. Take a look at the world around you, and you know what you'll see? You'll see collapsed marriages. You'll see collapsed economies. You'll see collapsed dreams. You'll see collapsed businesses. You'll see collapsed health. Everywhere we're looking in the world, all the devastation, we see a lot of collapsing. I want to suggest to you that the reason they are collapsing is that they lack the foundation and the support of the truth. We live in a world that is lacking the, the support and foundation of God's family, the church. 
If you're trying to live without the support and foundation of God's family, I want to tell you, you're going to have a hard time making it through the rough times. I'm, I'm telling you that the support and the foundation of the family of God will help your marriage. It will help you parent your kids. It will help you find your calling. Instead of tearing you down, the Bible says that the, the church is to build up. It builds up. It edifies. Edifice. It means to build. That is the work of the church. But without that foundation, without that support, you have the collapse. You want to succeed in life? Listen to this. You cannot succeed on your own. That's really hard to listen to. I have a hard time with I've had a hard time with that. I considered myself at one time very independent. You know, I'll just do it on my own. I got it on my own. You know, The creator created you to not do it on your own. You don't have to look very far in your Bible to see that, right? It's in the creation story itself. God looks out and says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates Eve. It, you, you, you cannot succeed on your own. The creator created you to belong to others in the family. So now not only do you belong to God who is father, but you actually belong to your brother and your sister. You belong one to another. We are better together. And we were designed to live in harmony with our brothers and sisters. We are to carry burdens together. And we are to rejoice together. If you're going through a hard time, your brother and sister come alongside you and help carry that burden. If you have a victory in your life, your brother and sister come alongside you and they celebrate that victory. If you're going through a burden, are you looking to your family? Have you ever have you ever had a victory but no one to celebrate it with? I'll never forget. I won one of the biggest awards I worked so hard to win. I won this award in college for singing jazz, and it was just this wonderful thing. And I remember I was like, I know who I'm going to call. I'm going to call my, my friend who I went to school with, and we studied music together way back in the May. I'm going to call him. And I'm like, hey, you won't believe this. Downbeat Magazine just gave me the award. I'm like, it's so cool. It's awesome. And I just wanted to call him. He's like, I'm sorry, who is this? That actually happened. I was like, it's so cool to win something. And it is so lame not to have someone to share it with. But the Bible says that we're to rejoice with those that rejoice. If you don't have someone to rejoice with, you need to get a hold of the family of God. It's a place where you can be rejoiced with, and it's a place where you can be mourned with. I, it's such a beautiful thing in the church of Jesus Christ. I have seen people, it's still in their state of mourning, turn around and rejoice with other people. They just, they're burying someone they love, yet they, went, they turn around and say, I'm so glad that that's happening, and I'm definitely going to be at that party. You go. I'm so proud of you. And I've seen it vice versa. Someone in the midst of their greatest achievement crying on the shoulder of a loved brother and sister in the Lord. That is what it means to be a part of the family. You are not meant to do this on your own. You will not succeed on your own. You don't have to go things all alone. You 
can have a family. So stop trying to do it all by yourself. Go to your spiritual family and ask for help. In fact, sometimes we need to practice that word. I think we have trouble with that word. We sometimes leave the P off. But let's make sure we got that word correctly. Help. Can we, can we do that? Help. One more time. Help. It's amazing. People that are drowning in the ocean will, lose, will use their last gasp of air to yell that word. But people will sit in a pew week after week headed towards a divorce and never call for help. I've seen it. I've seen it. I have pastored people that were here Sunday after Sunday. Service after service, we preach. Service after service, who, who needs prayer? Who needs help? And service after service, they, they didn't approach. They, they just kept coming until one day you get a text and it's like, sorry, man, we're getting divorced. Thanks for all you've done. It's like, what? Why didn't they call for help? Go to your spiritual family and call for help. Don't get thrown out on the street because you can't pay your electric bill that then rolls into you can't pay your, your mortgage and now you've lost your house in your home. Ask for help. Please do it. Please do it. Ask for prayer. As little as we ask for prayer, it sometimes shows to us what we really think of prayer. If we really believed in the power of prayer, we'd ask for it. We would be willing to lay down our pride and say, hey, I'm not doing so hot. Will you pray for me? All right? And then on the other side of that conversation, don't be like, oh, I'll be sure to pray for you. And then just turn around. And then maybe you remember it later. But often you didn't. Somebody say, ah, somebody nod. I know what I'm talking about. I was that person. Instead, when somebody asks for prayer, you say, right now, let's pray. And pray for them right now. I want to be a help to you right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. And now we're going to call our Father right into the middle of our family situation. Go to your spiritual family and ask for wisdom. Got a leak in the back of my house. Going right over my side, concrete. You know, the first thing I thought when I saw that leak, first thing I thought is, I'm going to ask Ron. Talk to Ron. I'm like, what is that a thing? And he's like, yeah, that's a thing. That's the thing you didn't want it to be. It's a, it's under your slab. And he gives me advice. He gives me wisdom. I want to tell you, your number one source of wisdom better not be Google. Right? That's that's just a, that's a thing. We turn to Google instead of our father and instead of our brothers and sisters. I'm telling you that God hides the answer in your brother and sister for you. And if you will ask them and look to them, God has already given them the answer. And now God is moving in his family. The spirit is moving in this one to answer your request and your need. That's how God does it. But if you're just sitting there all alone in your little self-righteous pride, you're going to miss out on the family. You're going to miss out on the wisdom. How about this one? Go to your spiritual family and ask for forgiveness. Ask them to forgive you. Make things right. It's beautiful. I can't stand it when people in the church of Jesus Christ don't forgive me. That should never happen. 
Go to one another and ask forgiveness. How about this one? Go and ask for encouragement. I've learned to just say this. Hey, do you have anything to encourage me? Can you say anything encouraging to me? Do you have anything that would encourage me? Why am I doing that? Because I need it. I'm not ashamed to tell you I need encouragement. And I don't mean just like, oh, that was such a good pastor, pastorally thing you said the other day. No, I mean like, what is God showing you in the Bible that will encourage me? What is God speaking to you expressly that the Father has given you that will encourage me? I'm not just looking for compliments. I'm looking for encouragement. The whole world seems to be kicking me in the teeth one day or another. But when I call my brother and sister, I ought to be receiving encouragement. Do you recognize your spiritual family? You know what they look like? Look around you. Around you. They're in this place. You've got spiritual family in this place. Look at your connect group, one of our small groups. I'm praying that our connect groups multiply this next quarter, I'm earnestly praying that we just, we grow so big that we have to multiply and have multiple groups. I'm praying that, I pray that our, our groups become more than a midweek get together and they become a spiritual family and a spiritual family that grows. And even if someone's not in your group, they're still a part of your family. Feel that kinship together. Some of you are not a part of a connect group. I'm praying that that you will hear me today and join a connect group. I would love to have you in my very own home worshiping God with me and eating little Caesar's pizza. When you need help, you should, number one, call on God. God, all right, good. Here's another one. You should call on a spiritual authority. You should call on a pastor. It is perfectly good to call on me as your pastor. That is so good. Please do call on me. Please call on God first. Then please do call on your pastor. And then here's the third thing. Call on your connect group. That's what that connect group is there for. The connect group is not there for you to, to hide every one of your insecurities from. <laughs> the, the connect group is not there for you to hide all your difficulties and all your struggles and walk in on Wednesday like you're just poly perfect and you've got everything together and the, peop the people ask you, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Even though you were cursing every bit of the way down 75 because of what your doctor and what, 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 your, what your boss said to you, okay? Don't do that. That's not what it's for. That's not what the group is for. That's not what the family is for. The church, the spiritual family, it is your support and your foundation. Have you been using it? We all need it. Have you been using it? First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, and the message says this, love your, somebody say it, spiritual family. Are you doing that? Do you love your spiritual family? You know who they are. Now, do you love them? You only love some of them. <laughs> like, you know so-and-so, I can't help it. They're an Eagles fan. Not in my heart. Nope, nope. No, love your spiritual family, even the Eagles fan. That's a joke because like an Eagle fan would be a Christian. Just kidding. That was for you. If you're an Eagles fan, I love you. I love you as my spiritual family. And I'm praying for you. 
Are you spending time with your family? If you love your family, you spend time with your family, right? You know the story. How, how do you spell love? It's spelled T-I-M-E. You don't just say I love you. You show I love you. Are you spending time with your spiritual family? There's so many Christians that they only see each other on a Sunday. And growing up, you would see them every Sunday. But now in the culture that we're living in, you see them about every third Sunday. That's just how churches work in our culture today where you, you are really quite the church attender if you come one out of every three Sundays. That's a thing. That's a thing. It's not good, but that's a thing, right? And so then if you only come every third Sunday, but, but they miss, and you, you, could go, you could go very much the whole year without ever landing on the same Sunday as your brother and sister that you were desperately need to see, right? Spend time with your family. And don't just do it on a Sunday. Don't just do it on a Sunday. And then do this. Are you praying for? And are you encouraging family? I want to tell you that you were born to love others. Yes, you were born to know God and love God. That's what we told you. On the first week, we also told you that you aren't ready for heaven. Double down on that. You aren't ready for heaven. Are you saying I'm not going to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're not ready for heaven, right? If you're having trouble loving people, you're not ready for heaven yet. God's still working on you. If you're having trouble trusting God with little small things, right, you're not ready for heaven yet. You are not ready for heaven yet, and that is okay. Neither am I. That's kind of why I'm still here on earth, because earth is practice, and the real performance is heaven. We will not practice loving God in heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to practice loving God. You know, it's eternity. So about half of eternity, I think I'll get it down. No, that's not it. On earth is where you practice loving God. You follow that. Heaven will not be practice for loving others. We will not practice loving others in heaven. No, we will have it perfected. By practicing it here on earth. How and where do we practice loving others? <laughs> and driving. Good luck. I want to present to you that it's in God's family. It's in his church that we practice loving each other. I want to tell you that business does not teach you how to love others. Somebody say amen. You having business problems right now. And they are giving you the business. They're being mean to you. You know that they're talking bad about your back. You know that that church office secretary doesn't like you. You're right. Because business is not where you practice love. How about this middle school? Does middle school teach you how to love? Is that practice for love right there? Middle school. No. That is the fourth degree of hell called middle school. Y'all know it's true. Middle school is anything but that. How about this one? Sports does not teach you how to love each other. No, I get violent when I watch sports. I'm like, you stomp that person, you hurt them and take the ball. Praise the Lord. 
Sports does not teach you how to love. It teaches you how to hurt that other person so they don't even try to come across the line of scrimmage next time. You'll know this one. I want an amen on this one. Politics does not teach you how to love others. I want to tell you the church is where we practice and perfect this godly purpose of love. It's where we practice. Oh, now let me tell you this. Practice is not always perfect. So while we're in this perfect, imperfect practice, somebody might step on your toes. Somebody might say the wrong thing. Somebody might actually look at you wrong. You know, you might not be crazy. They might have looked at you wrong. But this is the practice stage. Can you give people a little grace in the practice stage that is earth? We need to do that. We're practicing right now. When we pray together, it's practice. You know, when you come up and you say, hey, can I pray for you? You know one thing you're not doing? You're not thinking about what you're going to watch on Netflix later. You're not thinking about something that makes you angry. You're not thinking about, gosh, I never can get ahead in life and get a Tesla. You are letting go of all those things, and you are practicing loving someone other than your self-righteous, egotistical self. How can I pray with you? It's practice. It's practice. We practice every time we come together. We're going to practice in a few minutes in this place. Practice praying and loving one another. When we gather in homes and in small groups, sometimes even when we're just fellowshipping together, some of the best practice might happen at a place across the street called Mama's Pizza. When we fellowship together, when we answer the phone And we say, yes, let me grab my coat and I'll be right over. And you just put all your plans to the side and you go practice loving someone else. When you reach into your wallet and you share what you could have bought with that, now that other person is so much more important. You're going to practice loving the dollar bill. There's an idea I want to attack real quick. Here it is. I don't need a church. I just get alone in nature. Has anybody ever heard that one before? You know, I don't, I don't really need a church. You know, I just need God. And for God, I don't, I don't need a church. I don't need somebody preaching at me. I'll just get alone in nature. I'll just look around at the trees and the pretty birds and the night sky. Right? Now, it is true that nature points to the creator. Right? The heavens declare the Glory of God, Psalm 19 and 1. And it is true, you can lay down on the grass, look at the night sky, and be overwhelmed at how small you are and how big your God is. And you can come to know Him and love Him in those scenarios. These moments can absolutely draw you closer to God. But you know what you can't do alone in nature? I want to tell you, here it is. You can't learn to love others by being alone in nature. That first purpose for you is to know God and to love God. You can do that alone in nature. 
But you will only go so far and you'll never answer the next purpose and the next why that God has for your life until you stop being alone in nature and you go be a part of the family. That requires a face-to-face encounter. That requires some rubbing and friction at times. That requires you not being alone. I'm so thankful for people that find God in nature. But God would have you do more than be alone. You cannot succeed all by yourself. He wants you to be a part of his family. Somebody say amen if I'm true. Thank you. I want to tell you, you do need the church if you're ever to accomplish what you're born for. You were born for relationship. You were born to serve and to be served. You were born to help and to be helped. You need your brothers and sisters. And yeah, you actually need to learn to love them. They need to learn to love you. And that's what you were born for. I remember at a young age telling God, God, I love you. I love you. But I hate people. I remember it so well. God, I love you, but I just, I hate people. Somebody had hurt my feelings. They'd said mean things about me. It hurts my feelings when people do that back there on that back. Vicky. But so I just said, you know, God, I'll just live for you and just you and me and just forget all those other people. I can't stand them. I really thought that that sounded like something God would appreciate. In my little young mind, I thought God was going to go, you know what, I'll take you up on that offer. That sounds so awesome. You know what, forget all those other people, just you and me, Chris, right? I thought that's what, the, the fact I wanted God is all that matters, right? I thought, yeah, I want God. That's all that matters. It's not all that matters. Y'all know where, y'all know how God responded to that, right? Imagine my surprise when I felt the Lord say, I felt him say to my very young heart, he said, I died for those people too. I love those people. It is not okay for you to hate the people I love. I was not so thrilled with God's response to me. I really thought he was going to take me up on his offer. I thought this was a great idea. Turns out that wasn't spiritual to hate other people. Turns out that was nothing like Jesus Christ to hate other people. Turns out it actually would come in between me fulfilling my why and what I was born for in God. I had to repent of my hatred. I had to change my mind. I had to change my direction. I had to ask God to forgive me and I had to forgive other people. I needed to love my spiritual family. I want to tell you today that we need to love real people, not ideal people. Anybody can love an ideal person, right? But you're supposed to love people who are difficult. Love people who are troubled. Love people that are annoying. You need to love them. You need to love people who struggle. 
You need to love people who are different. You need to love people right where they are. Their real, authentic self. Love them. Don't make them put on ideal clothing, say the ideal things in order to earn your love. That's not what it's about. The Lord Jesus Christ did not do that to you. There's an unknown saying. Here it goes. We don't know who said this, but here's the quote. To live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be a glory. To live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. I want to tell you, don't learn love in heaven where it's perfect. No, you you learn here where it's difficult. You learn here where it's messy. You learn here where it's hurtful. I want to tell you, if someone's hurting you, it's an opportunity to practice. That person that's hurting you, it's an opportunity for you to turn around and instead of slapping them, offer your other cheek and to love them and serve them regardless of what they do or say. Romans chapter 12 verse 5 says this. New Living Translation. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Whether you like that or not, we belong together. Whether I get on your nerves, we belong together. We're all parts of one body. We're different parts. We think differently. We look differently. We, we live differently. There's so many differences about us. But we all belong to each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. We belong to each other. Your problems, your worries, they belong, they're mine also. Your victories, your achievements, they're mine also. And I don't know why you would ever want mine. It must be because you love me that you would want my problems too. And that you'd want my hardship too. And that you'd want my failures too. Not so you could hold them over me, but so that you could help me. It must mean that you love me. That you would ever allow that to be. Number one, you were born to love and know God. You were born to know Him. You were born to love Him. Do you know Him? You need to know Him today. You need to love Him today. And then number two, you were born to love others. I want to tell you, number one, number one is pretty easy. It's so easy to love God. The more I know about God, the more I love Him. It's not always that way with people. The more I know people, the more I... The more I know people, the more I realize I'm not as loving as I think I am. You were born to love others. Are you fulfilling your God-given purpose, loving God and loving others? We could tell you right here that the greatest commandments of all time are what? To love God. And Jesus let us know to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. They are the Number one and number two commandments of all time. The most important of all time. That's it. I think this is really important today. Don't just pass this off as, oh, you know, that's not all that big of a deal. and Maybe that's for someone else. No, that is for you. It's for every one of us today. It's an area that we all need to work in. And it's so important. Are you actively loving your spiritual family today? 
Have you been absent serving your brothers and sisters? We're about to come. We're about to talk to God in this place. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.